Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis on a beautiful Friday morning here in Queen City, Texas at Crossway Church. We're here in the studio where you're invited to come and be with us every Friday morning at 9 a.m. Central Time. If you live anywhere in the area, we'd love to have you bring your Bibles. Not trying to get you in our church, just trying to get you in the Word. Seems like God's people's got time for everything else uh, than to get in His Word and study His Word and and uh, I just pray that you would consider that prayerfully if you live anywhere in this region about being here on Friday mornings. I, 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 I'll tell you right up front, God will bless you. He'll minister to you. He'll speak to you. And this, this Bible study on Friday mornings will, will allow the Lord to redirect you or instruct you and, and do some mighty things in your life if you'll just get in the Word. Today it will be session six. Uh, we're in the book of Jude, and it's August the 23rd, 2019. Pray for me. I'll be with Pastor Nathan Voorhees tonight in Antlers, Oklahoma, for a one-night service for me. I believe uh, Pastor Ronnie Mitchum from Crosby, Texas, will be there tomorrow night and Sunday morning. But I'm on the schedule for tonight at 7. It's two and a half hours from here. So pray for me. I'll be driving up here a little while, and I'll also be driving home after the service tonight late. So uh, we praise God for the opportunity to share this gospel that we preach everywhere we get an opportunity to, and I'm thankful for that. Everything we do here at Crossway Church is uploaded to the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. So if you happen to be running across this on the Facebook, Pastor Curtis Facebook page where we're streaming live, uh, also... You can go to that YouTube channel. Again, it's Curtis Hutchinson 316 and see everything we do. And the good news is not only will it be the gospel you'll find, the message of the cross, but it will also be free to you. We make CDs, we make DVDs, we sell them. But that's pretty much a yesterday's word because everything today is going out on the cloud and uh, we don't try to exploit the people of God. Uh, what we've been given has been given to us freely, and we give it freely, and it's out there for you to hear, and it's out there for you to watch again and again and again free. But if you like CDs, DVDs, you'll have to uh, go on the website, thecrosswaychurch.com, and there you can donate to the ministry and uh, order what you'd like. Uh, we, I'm, I'm mailing today a couple of different CD sets and one of my books. Uh, the book I wrote is called All God's Works Are Done in Truth, 62-page booklet. I'm telling you, it will remove a lot of confusion from your minds and hearts about the Scriptures and allow the Holy Spirit to bring clarity to some things we've been confused about for years. All God's works are done in truth, Psalms 33, 4. So that means outside of truth, he's not what? That's right. If all his works are done in truth, that means outside of truth, you're not going to find God's grace, God working. So, thank God we're here today. And Jude uh, wrote this great letter uh, so that we could be able to have eyes to see. Do you understand? That's why the Bible was given to us, so that we would not have to stay lost, stay blind, uh, and we wouldn't have to go blind again, as Peter would wrote, that we could, can go blind again if we forget that we were purged from our old sins. But the Word of God is literally 
for those who found true faith in Christ and what he did at Calvary, the Word of God becomes not just a Bible verse to speak, but a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, literally. It gives us the direction we take. It gives us the choices we make. It allows God to put his desires into our hearts. And it gives us the answer for every situation in everyday life. It is the word of God. And Jesus is that living word made flesh. God in the flesh, Jesus. So everything in the Bible must pass through him because he said the scriptures were about him in John 5 and 39. And what makes the scriptures through him for us is what he did at Calvary. If you know that, you're walking in a great place if you're choosing to contend for the faith that brought you there. And we're going to see some things today in this book of Jude that we need to see again because it is given to us so that we can have eyes to see we can recognize who the Bible here calls these certain men who crept in among us unaware in verse 4 who are ungodly. They've been ordained to this condemnation. What is that? They're ungodly. They're turning God's grace into lasciviousness. They're denying the only Lord God. Although they, they come in, they come in talking the same words we talk. Uh, the ones that creep in among us unawares. Now listen, there's some that obviously we're not going to let creep in among us because it's obvious they're saying the wrong thing. And we don't believe that. But how they creep in among us unaware is by they come in talking what we're talking, but their definition and their meaning is not our definition and our meaning. Again, I've already said in one of the sessions, we can have the same scripture and you can believe one thing about it and I can believe another thing about it. One thing's for sure. One of us can be right, the other can be wrong. We can both be wrong, but one of us can't, we both can't be right. Not if it's contrary thought. I mean, when you look at the word, for example, baptism in the scripture and you think that baptism means means what we do in water to get saved, you're wrong. I'll just tell you up front because water can't save you. Jesus, through faith in his blood at Calvary, is what saved us. And baptism is us being baptized, immersed into Christ, into his death by our faith in what he did for us at Calvary, Romans 6, 3. Great example. So they come in talking the same thing. But their meaning is different. That's how they creep in among us unawares. It happens all the time. But make, listen, make no mistake about it. Those who are contending for the faith that Jude calls the beloved. The beloved. Those who are loved of God. Those who've been saved by God. Those who've been given eyes to see. And these Words that are written in our Bibles are to help us see, to be on guard, to recognize the false, to recognize the true, and to have the weapons of our warfare for every situation. The Word of God is everything we need as it always points to the one who's the only one we need that told us we can't do anything without Him. We can't see without him. We can't have victory without him. We can't recognize the faults without him. We can't bear any sort of fruit. We can do no thing without Jesus. That means absolutely no thing, nothing. So 
I needed to say that this morning because what we're reading here is not just for another good Bible study. What we're reading here is so God's intention for you and me through giving Jude what he wrote here was so that we could see, recognize the faults and the truth and be able to contend for that which is right. God calls it the faith. We're going to talk about that today, contending for the faith. And I wrote some things. I already had my, my lesson all worked up. And then when I got to my office this morning, the Lord gave me some things I'm going to read to you and we're going to talk about initially this morning. I'm asking the Lord to give us today our daily bread. I'm asking the Lord today to fill us with his spirit, to fill us with his word, to give us the revelation uh, of understanding and the knowledge that we see in Christ today. We desperately need a move of God in our hearts, in our churches, in the pulpits, in the seminaries. We need a move of God. Not what most consider a move of God is. A move of God in God's eyes is God bringing us back to the truth, to a place we contend for that truth, that faith, where we have eyes to see, we recognize the faults and begin to say and to do something about it. Amen? That require All of that requires us taking up our cross daily and following Christ. Means to not move our faith from Christ and his sacrificial work at Calvary. So, watch this. Because we know that this faith we're contending for, verse 3, he tells us, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation... It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly, with all effort, contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So, because we know that this faith we're contending for, listen, works by love. Galatians 5, 6 tells us, that faith works by love. It doesn't work through circumcision. It doesn't work through law. The Bible says the, that the law is not a faith, and that's any law. Any law that is you doing something is not faith. You believing what Christ did at Calvary, that's faith. You believing the Word of God in its righteous context which means always through your faith in his shed blood, the gospel, that's faith that comes. Anything else is flesh that will come. So this faith that we're contending for, I don't know about everybody else, but this faith we are contending for, those who have their faith in the sacrifice of Christ, is, a, is the faith, the biblical faith, which only works by love. Are we okay this morning? And... This is the faith of the Son of God, Galatians 2.20, who loved us and gave himself for us. Think about that. And was manifest at the cross, 1 John 4, 9 and 10. The manifestation of God's love took place at Calvary. Now, when it happened, men didn't know that. Men didn't know that. Men thought that whatever power Jesus had before, he had lost, and apparently something's gone wrong, for he didn't, you know, if he still had the power he had, surely he'd come down from the cross. But they didn't understand that the cross was God's manifested love for you and me, that through the giving of his son at Calvary, you and I might be able to be forgiven and justified and brought into the family of God through what God was doing in Christ at Calvary. Hallelujah. 
Think about this. I was laying in the bed last night before I went to sleep thinking about the Bible says that it pleased God to bruise and wound his son for our sins and iniquities. Think about that. And remember that God can't be pleased. It's impossible to please God without faith. That means it took the faith of Christ laying his own life down, being obedient to the commandment his father had given him. It was a commandment. No man can take my life from me, for I have power to lay it down and to raise it up again because I have this commandment. And Jesus lived by grace through faith. That faith was the love he, him and the Father shared together. See, faith always works by love. The grace that Jesus tasted death by, Hebrews 2, 9, I quote it all the time, was by the faith he lived for us and gave his life for, for us. You understand that? And the manifestation of God's love was at Calvary. Let's just turn, I didn't plan on it, but let's turn over uh, to 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. And we'll read it this morning. In this... Not in all the other. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Through him speaks of the cross. See, there's your, there's your confirmation. Anywhere the Bible says through him, through Christ Jesus, through Jesus Christ, it's speaking of what he did at Calvary. Watch this, verse 10. Herein, verse 9 says in this, Verse 10 says, in here, herein is love. Not anywhere else, but in here is love. Not that we loved God, you need to get that, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Did you see that? The cross of Christ was Christ Jesus, our Lord, by grace through faith, tasting death for us that we might be born again that we might have everlasting and abundant life. It was the manifestation of God's love. We'll say something to you this morning. People who followed my teaching for a while, they heard this. Some of you may have not. God is not just... God is love. He ain't loving you just in all these different ways. Watch this. God so loved the world that he... Gave his only begotten son. God loves you through the cross. Will you come to him through that love, faith, through that faith? The only place God can be experienced. He loves all the world. But the only place of experiencing that love is by faith in what his son did to manifest that love. Don't ever forget that. Don't live your whole life knowing that God loves you, but you never came to the experience of that love except in your feelings and emotions and, and when everything was going good, God surely must love me. No, no. You must come to faith in the death of Jesus, that very manifestation of God's love, to experience God's love. Don't ever forget that. If you don't believe that, my friend, you're not living by faith. You're living by feelings and emotions right now. We are here this morning contending for the faith. The ministers of righteousness, the true ministers of reconciliation in these last days are the ones that are going to be pointed out as troublemakers. They're the ones 
that you need to watch out for. People say it about us all the time. I heard it recently again. They, they named me and my good friend, Pastor Wayne Voss, Greenwood, Mississippi. They, they, you know, somebody said that somebody had told them some back, sometime back, you better watch out for them guys. You better watch out for them guys. Listen, we're living in perilous times that are so perilous that even the church is saying, don't we need to hear about something other than the cross? Don't tell me it ain't perilous. When the church is talking about, well, you don't have to say the cross all the time. You don't have to talk about the cross all the time. Listen, that's perilous, my friend. That's perilous. That, you know, I, I, I'm doing a study on, on 2 Timothy right now. I post one verse every morning uh, on my Curtis Hutchinson Facebook page and, and about that. And, and I'm doing one in Proverbs on my Pastor Curtis Facebook page. But the word perilous means a fierceness that's there to reduce strength. That's what perilous means. Uh, there, there is a there is a fierce power there to reduce strength. You look it up, you'll find what I'm talking about because I don't just make these things up. I look them up. Perilous times are a time when there's fierce power and strength there to reduce the strength of the church, the faith of the church. Think about that. And when someone talks about you don't need to be talking, you don't have to say the cross all the time, you don't have to point to the cross all the time, that is, there's a spirit at work there to reduce strength because God says that His power is the preaching of the cross. I will just believe the Bible, praise God. Hallelujah. They may say bad things about me and they may be out there talking bad things about our backs. Listen, never be driven away from someone who's pointing you to Calvary. Never listen and believe what you're being told, they say, until you go and check out what they're saying for yourself because that's the devil at work. That's the devil at work. You need to, that, that's all a part of these perilous times we're, we're living in. We're either going to be contending for the faith or we're going to be a part of that fierce strength of the enemy, the flesh, and the world that's trying to reduce the strength of the church to pull us away from contending for the faith. Anybody hearing me this morning? Glory to God. Hallelujah. So, let me read this again. Because we know that this faith we're contending for works by love and is the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us and was manifest at the cross, we therefore must be in the faith to be contending for the faith. And that means our only object of faith must be the cross of Jesus Christ. True biblical faith in the sacrifice of Christ brings with it everything that was manifest there for us. If my faith literally has been moved out of and away from everything else and is now only in the death of Jesus, the sacrifice for me. I'm going to be contending for that faith. People are not going to like it. They're going to be mad. I'm not talking about being obnoxious. I'm not talking about being rude to people. I am talking about being gentle with all men and able and ready to teach them the truth so that they can find true repentance as they acknowledge the truth, 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26. There is no such thing as true repentance until one acknowledges the truth, which is Christ and Him crucified. Without that faith in that, there is just words that say, I'm sorry. 
Hallelujah. You need to learn that. You need to know that. I'm sorry ain't good enough. The cross is good enough. Hallelujah. That's all that's good enough for the grounds of repentance. Know that, believe that, or stay in your mess. Love better be the reason for our contending, or it will not actually be faith we're contending for. Love better be the drive of this faith that has us contending for the faith, or it's really not the faith we're contending for. <clears throat> A lot of people hear the message of the cross, and they see that with the message of the cross comes a great contending for the faith, which means a great warnings go out all the time, warnings against that which is wrong. And they like that. They get on that because they just like to look right, sound right, and be against everything. They've been against everything. It's their personality to be against everything. So they see the message of the cross as something they can get on board. And now, boy, now they got certification papers. They can be against everything now. But until they learn how it is affecting them, it better be, listen, true faith, biblical faith works by love. Or it ain't biblical faith. It don't work without love. And that love was manifested at Calvary. That love was the love of Christ that loved us and gave himself for us. So when that is the object of our faith, we will be operating in love. We won't be just because we say we are. Or because we know we <clears throat> need to. Let me tell you something about people. They know if you love them. Not talking about people out there that don't know you. Oh, those people can think anything they want. People that know you and are around you, they know if you love them. Isn't it an amazing thing that lost people who are unsaved, that don't even have the Spirit of God, can recognize those who are sincerely believing what they're talking about. And others who are just talking about it for recognition or for whatever purpose they have. Lost people see that. That's always amazed me. Lost people recognize those who are sincerely believing what it is they're sharing. That, that, that amazes me. So, he says here in verse 5, really, which is where we are today, verse 5 in Jude Jude says this, I will therefore put you in remembrance. See, there's something that they already knew because he's reminding them again. And he says that, though you once knew, which means were, they were once aware of, they once recognized this. But And let me tell you something, folks, as a child of God, you're standing strong today, but there's a tomorrow coming. There's situations coming. There's circumstances coming. There's a rearranging of life. Everything is changing in your world, in your life. And sometimes when those tomorrows come, we find ourselves not contending for the faith like we should be for whatever reason that's there. For Elijah, it was fear gripped his heart because of Jezebel. For you and me, it may be someone is sowing financially into our lives and we need that money. We think we have to have that or our lives will change 
drastically in the negative direction so we're not contending for the faith standing against the false doctrine they're believing because they're sowing money into our lives you got to be careful my friends you got to be very careful the devil, the world, and the flesh will team up all together and come against you to make you think that if you stand in this grace by faith in certain situations that bad things are going to happen to you. Can I tell you? Well, you got that right. You got that right. But you better keep standing in that grace by faith over everything else. Because when we begin to compromise, when we begin to settle back, and well, if I tell them the real truth, they're going to pull their money out of my ministry or out of my life. Or, you understand? Things can happen in our lives to give us an opportunity. And that's what, they, what, that, that's what they are, are opportunities for us to stand. It's a test for you and me. Do I need the money? Yeah, I need some provision, but do I need it for the sake of the truth being compromised, the faith being compromised? Do I need to be in a local church? Do I need to be planted in the body of Christ in a local church? Yes, I do. But will I do it for the sake of compromising the truth? No, I won't. Listen, you need to be in a local church where the message of the cross is coming out of the pulpit. And if you're not, there's a fleshly, flesh reason you're not. Because there's a perilous time in which you're living in. There's a fierce power there to keep you from rising up and moving away from that which God has told you to turn away from. Because, listen, a form of godliness Without power, you're told to turn away from. And the power, God says, is the preaching of the cross. Think about that. How many today in the church are under the control of the Spirit in these last days? This perilous Spirit. Who's, who it isn't. He's not trying. He is reducing the power and the strength in the, in the pulpits, the seminaries, the the. The, the churches, the Sunday school rooms, that, that perilous spirit, that fierce strength that comes in to, to, to cause you to move away from the faith that you once knew, you once contended for, that allowed you, when you knew it, to be able to stand and say, I recognize that's ungodly. I recognize that's really not what grace is and that's not what grace is for. And when we begin to sit by idly and not say anything about the truth that's being perverted, it's because the last day's perilous time, that spirit of fierce, raging strength has grabbed a hold of me. And I can't blame false prophets. Yes, they'll be judged for the work that they're doing. But we can't, we can't blame them because everything they're offering, it's through the lust of our own flesh that we go after it. All heresy, all false doctrine that's available that we find ourselves in, that I found myself in for years, was only through the lust of my own flesh. Never forget that. You won't be able to blame anybody but yourself, especially those of you who God put in the path of a preacher of righteousness, a preacher of reconciliation. Think about that. He says here, I will put you, therefore, in remembrance 
though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Now listen, this, this absolutely, absolutely refutes the once saved, always saved. I'm not even going to give that any time today. That's just ridiculous heresy. Heresy is a work of the flesh. Galatians chapter 5. Heresy is one of the works of the flesh mentioned in Galatians chapter 5. Why is heresy? How is heresy, false doctrine, a work of the flesh? Because it's something through the lust of my flesh I go after that's outside of the faith. It's wrong. It's unbiblical. And that once saved, always saved is unbiblical because here the Bible says God saved the people out of Egypt and then he destroyed those later afterwards that believed not. Now think about that. And I know the people who have the, the heresy in their hearts and it's been passed down from so many generations uh, through false ministers who, who, who can tell you how to be saved and people, millions have been saved. But I'm telling you, millions later, millions later have been uh, destroyed because of unbelief. Unbelief. Think about that. So, watch this. I got this in my notes. Delivered yet later destroyed. And let's talk about the children of Israel. The children of Israel were already the children of Israel before they went to Egypt. So making them a people of God wasn't what Egypt was about. They were already God's people. The deliverance from Egypt was through the blood, of course, but it was also about, it, what it was about was about deliverance for God's people. Not initial salvation, they were already God's people. They had already been a people of faith and the sacrifice. And, 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 and it, the, the story of God delivering, delivering his people out of Egypt is a story of them coming back to faith in the blood, them coming back and God showing his strength over Egypt to deliver his people. And it says there in, in, in that afterward, and he says, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, that means he delivered them out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. He destroyed them that believed not after they had believed. So that takes us, let me read this. Why would a people who could never lose their salvation or be destroyed need to be reminded or warned about those who moved away from the faith? Why do we need to be reminded about these things? If, we, if, if there's not a possibility that you and I can ever walk away from the faith, if you and I can never lose that which we have obtained, if we could never be destroyed after that which we have been delivered from, then why are we even needing to read this? 
And so many lies have been written to answer that question in commentaries because people are bound by traditions they believe that Jesus taught will take away the power of God. The traditions of men will remove the power of God's word. It will take the power of God's word away. And all that heresy, that false doctrine that I know that some are coming out of that because we have and many more are coming out of that day by day because they're getting into the scriptures for themselves instead of just believing what their preacher tells them. You need to get in the word your own self. Amen? Praise God. So, I want us, after seeing this, I want us to look at Hebrews chapter 3 because what we're doing is we're, we're looking in God's Word today in our Jude Bible study. And we're going to other scripture now that confirms what Jude is even writing about. In Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12 the Bible says, Take heed brothers. That brothers, Christian folks, brothers, sisters, children of God, take heed lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, comma, how does that happen? In departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, while you've got today, while today is still here for you and me, exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you <coughs> be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Now let's say something for a minute about the word deceitful or deceit. Deceit is something that you, it's a word that describes something that you think will benefit you when it cannot benefit you. You've heard people say, if I don't tell a lie right here, it's going to hurt me. The lie can never help you. As much as it appears like a lie can help you, or the lie, you know, uh, or telling the truth will hurt you, that's always the opposite. Well, if I would have told the truth, if I wouldn't have lied back then, I would have got arrested, I would have went to the penitentiary, I would... Listen... Deceit, the deceitfulness of sin. Sin has a way that is so deceitful about it that it will make even the child of God in these last days live in it and make excuses for it, saying that the grace of God will, has covered my sins. My friend, can I tell you, that's deceitful thinking. Grace has not covered your sin. Grace is what Jesus did, God did in Jesus at Calvary to save you. The Bible says we're saved by grace. That means we're saved by what God did in Christ at Calvary. Hallelujah. Amen. Grace saved me, delivered me from my sins. Let me say it again. Saved me and delivers me daily from my sin. Grace does not give me an excuse to live in sin. Grace does not say I never need to repent. Grace revolution. Folks, you've missed the boat on that. You're lying to people. You're turning the grace of God for the children of God into something that will allow a deceitful spirit of sin into their lives. Listen, and unbelief will be the result of that. Think about that. 
<coughs> exhorting one another daily while it is called a day, lest any of you <coughs> be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. The deceitfulness of sin is what hardens the heart, causes it to be an evil heart, and to depart from God. You know, there are many people who use the words cross and Jesus who departed from God. The, Titus wrote, they profess they know God, but they deny Him in their works. Jesus even taught, just because you call me Lord, Lord, say to me, Lord, Lord, doesn't mean you're going to enter the kingdom, but those who do the will of the Father. I mean, come on. We need to get back to the Bible, my friends. And people, you know, these days will say, well, you know, Jesus paid it all. He did. That's the truth. But you've got to believe it. And you've got to keep believing it. Watch this. Verse 14. Hebrews 3 is where we are. Verse 14. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. What's the beginning of our confidence that we held? And notice the Bible here says, if we hold the beginning of our confidence. Not we hold some confidence, some other confidence. The confidence that you obtain through faith in Christ and His sacrificial work for you at Calvary, that's what you're to hold to. That's what you're to hold. The beginning of your confidence. Not something down the road. Now my confidence is in this program or these words I speak. Now my confidence is in my preacher. Now my confidence is in my denomination. No, the beginning was your born again experience. That confidence that you received, the Bible here says, if you hold the beginning of that confidence steadfast and to the end, you will be made a partaker of Christ. And you might be saying, I've already been made a partaker of Christ. The Bible here says, if you hold that till the end, you will be made a partaker of Christ. Hallelujah. Yeah. It ain't how you start, my friends. It's how you finish. Yeah. A lot of people get in the race. A lot of people get in the narrow path. But a lot of people choose to stop contending for the faith. A lot of people choose to put confidence in something else now. Their bonds, their stocks, their this, the horoscope, their this. And the church is so overcome with this perilous spirit of strength, this reduced, this spirit that reduces our strength, <coughs> excuse me, that they will say, oh, I can read the horoscope. It doesn't have anything to do with anything. Oh, I don't have to go to church to be on my way. I don't have to give tithes. Listen, that's the perilous spirit that's operating in these last days. I don't have to. I don't have to. Those are people who turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. This letter was given to us by God through Jude so that we could recognize them and who they are. We're not, set, we're not going to set out to bash them, condemn them, and, and destroy them. The Bible says they will do that to themselves. If they don't turn around and come back to true faith and grace, and let me tell you something, making excuses as to why you're not being faithful to what the Bible calls you to do, to be a part of, to function in, is using God's grace as a license to sin. Amen, Brother Curtis. I know folk don't like it, but that's just where we are. 
Remember, we're living in perilous times. Paul wrote that to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, showing him that in the last days, that which will come will be perilous times. There's going to be a spirit at work so powerful that it's going to reduce even the strength the church once had, once knew about. That's why this letter is written. This letter wasn't written just for the people in that day it went to. This letter is written for me and for you so that we could see, we could be aware of, we could notice that which is right and that which is not right. And first and foremost, so that we could experience that which is right and reject that which is false. Amen? It will cost you relationships. It will cost you uh, things. Hard times will come into your life when you're contending for the faith. And that's why Paul told Timothy, you've got to learn to endure hard times as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, the one who's called you to be a good soldier. Paul said there in 2 Corinthians, I mean 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10, I endure all hardness for the sake of the elect, so that they may obtain salvation. It's always about contending for the faith, it's for the sake of others. Yes, for ourselves to make sure we're in the faith, but it's for the sake of others. So listen, that's what Jude wrote this so others could see it. You could read it, believe it, begin to live it so others can see it as you become the living epistle of Jesus Christ, the Word of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. I feel the Lord this morning. Glory. Hallelujah. So, well, let me read some notes I wrote here in the midst of all this. All, and I might have said some of this already, but I want to make sure you get it all, that which the Lord has given to me to give unto you. All false doctrine is heresy, and heresy is a work of the flesh, Galatians 5, 18 through 20, while operating under the condemnation of the law. Let me read it again because it all goes together. All false doctrine is heresy, and heresy is a work of the flesh, Galatians 5, 18 through 20, while operating under the condemnation of the law. And is entered into as one leaves the faith, which is through the lust of their own flesh. I mentioned those things earlier, James 1 and 14. On judgment day, the false prophets will be rewarded according to their own deceitful works, but know that we will not be able to blame them for our misleading, because the Lord was always there to lead us in truth. It was our own lustful flesh that made all the excuses as to why we wouldn't serve God through faith in His Son's sacrifice. And listen to this. I posted this on social media last night. Every act of disobedience carried out is an act of unbelief in the heart. And unbelief is our denial of God. I know better than God. Now, Preachers come along and say, well, you just don't have it all together yet, and we don't. But you've got the Spirit of God, and God says you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. That means you can, by grace, through the Spirit of God, by your faith in Christ and what He did at Calvary, walk in a place where sin no longer dominates your life because you're not under law but now under grace, Romans 6, 14, and you can live a victorious Christian life. No, you'll never be perfect in this life. 
until you see Jesus when he comes for us, but you can live a life where you no longer make excuses for your sin, but you continue to acknowledge the truth and repent and be delivered from your sin and be an example for other people. So watch this. Every act of disobedience carried out is an act of unbelief in the heart. And unbelief is the very thing that causes God's people depart, to depart from him and become hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Let me say this this morning. Sin in our lives as a Christian is not how we are later destroyed, how, we're later, how we later forfeit the faith and, and we lose our salvation, which the Bible is clear on the matter that you can, and many are. Sin is not why you do that. But enough sin piling up in your life will shipwreck and destroy your faith. Know that. God saved you while you were a sinner. And you will always have something that needs His attention and, your, and His deliverance in your life at all times. Again, if you're not perfect and you admit that you're not, everyone... Uh, that's got any kind of normal sense and can read the Bible, uh, there are people that don't have normal sense and can't read the Bible that say they are perfect, but they're not. They're liars. Listen, if you'll admit you're not perfect, then why do you have an issue when God shows up and tries to touch those imperfect places? Come on now. We're made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Partaker means associate, one who shares in, one who participates in. Remember what Paul wrote the Galatian church. You've moved your faith now from Christ and him crucified. You've put it back in circumcision. He's warning them, please don't. Come back to the faith. I marvel that you've so soon removed yourself from him that called you into this grace. That's Galatians 1 and 6. Galatians 5, 1 through 4 says that we can fall from grace we're saved people. You can't fall from grace if you ain't never had grace. Saved people can fall from grace. He's writing to save people in Galatia. And you can now walk in a place where Christ no longer profits or affects you. Didn't say you lost your soul at that point, but you're walking in a place where you've allowed the lust of your flesh to want something greater than what Christ provided for you at Calvary, that avenue alone. Think about that. You need to think about that. And as your faith remains in the sacrifice of Christ, you're a co-laborer with God. You're sharing in the things that Christ provided for you through that sacrifice. You are participating in. That means that word, that's one of the words used uh, to describe communion with the Lord. One who contributes, one who participates in, fellowship. All that's involved in that one word, koinonia, communion. Look it up. You'll see all the different words that describe what that word communion really means. And it should be a picture of the church functioning in the faith. Amen. So he goes on to say here in, in uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 15, while it is said today, if you will hear his, not if you heard him yesterday. Don't keep looking back at all God's done in your past 
and trying to put your faith in that, the only object of faith remains to be Jesus and what he did at Calvary. Amen. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart as they did in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses that should really say, and you study it, go look it up, you'll find it out, that it means, did they not all that came out of Egypt come out by Moses? But with whom was God grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? Yes, it was. And to whom did he swear that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Let me say something today. Unbelief always carries with it the action of disobedience. Before we ever commit a sin that can be seen of disobedience, it's already been an act of unbelief toward God in our hearts. That's why Jesus taught, uh, you've heard it said, uh, he that shall not kill, but I say unto you, he that hates his brother is a murderer. Think about that. And we hate in the heart. The getting the sword, the gun, the weapon, and killing someone is an outward act of disobedience to God from a heart of unbelief toward God. Think about that. Every act of disobedience outwardly is an act of unbelief toward God in the heart. Tell me, we don't need some help. We need some help. How many times have we acted in a way of unbelief toward God? Every, every act of disobedience, when I'm making excuses for sin in my life, I see the Bible says this, but I say, well, I, that's an act of unbelief. I'm not believing God. Think about that. Think about Adam in the Garden of Eden when all he'd ever heard was, was God's voice. Therefore, he just had one choice. But when another voice came, he had another what? He had another choice. All the other voices outside God's voice all the other voices outside of God's voice give us all the other choices we make. We better choose to hear His voice. That when we've heard it, faith comes. If faith don't come, we didn't hear Him. Oh, we may read the Bible, faith comes when we hear God. That's why when you were born again, you heard God. Faith came. That faith that brought that grace into your life. Hallelujah. If faith is not coming, you ain't hearing God. Mm -hmm. Glory. God has said one thing, but we do another. That means... There's an act from the heart of unbelief. I know I should be planted in a local church. I know I should be loving those people that hate me. I know I should be bringing all the tithes and the offerings into the storehouse, but, but I'm going to continue on in my unbelief and just say that God's grace covers this. 
That's a spirit of lasciviousness. That's ungodly. And we're to recognize that first and foremost in our own hearts. Somebody said, Amen! Thank God for the truth. The spirit of discernment is not for you to judge everybody else. First and foremost, the spirit of discernment is for you so that you can discern if you're in the faith. I can discern, am I in the faith? I didn't say the church. I didn't say the water baptism tank. Paul said you need to examine yourself and make sure you are in the faith. That's the faith of the Son of God that loved you and gave himself for you. That's the faith that brings victory, John wrote about. Hallelujah. That's the faith we contend for. If that's not the faith we're contending for, we're just contending for a denomination or a preacher or a program or an event or a reputation. We can contend for lots of things in the name of Lord. You understand that? We can contend for lots of things in the name of the Lord. They crucified Christ in the name of the Lord. You're talking about the deceitfulness of sin. Telling Jesus, your daddy is the devil, when it was your daddy that was the devil. And Jesus told him. When you can be attributing the power of God through Christ to Satan, don't tell me that you can't be deceived through the deceitfulness of sin. When we can sit in our local churches and listen to preachers that we like but are not giving us the truth that we are hearing in certain other places, but because we think we love them, we've been here for so long, we've given so much money to this ministry. Listen, God's telling you, you better get, listen, you better look at Abraham, how he got up and got out. You need to get up out of the land of the, 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 the place of Cal. What was it? Where was it God called Abraham out of? The land of the Chaldeans? You got to get up and get out. God's already told you to. When he showed you what the true preaching of reconciliation, the preaching of truth, the preaching of the cross, the preaching of the gospel tied to every word in God's word, you've seen that. You're still sitting there, my friend. You're listening to something false, all in the name of contending for something other than the faith. You're contending for that people. You're contending for that preacher. We're called to contend for the faith. The only people who are doing that are the people whose faith is in the sacrifice of Christ because that is the picture of the faith that Jesus tasted death by grace through faith for every single one of us. That's powerful teaching today. Powerful teaching. Praise God for it. So let's look at this as we have just about six more minutes. Because when we look at Jude and what he wrote and why the Lord through him is putting us in remembrance of these things that we should have already known, that we did once know, and he begins, and we'll see it over the next few sessions, that first Example is that. It's just the first example. He's going to give several examples that he wants you to be able to look at so that you can guard your heart today. Not sit back and say, well, that was them and I'm okay today. No, this was written to the church so we could look at the examples given, not by Jude, but by the Holy Spirit through Jude. 
Come on, somebody. And we could look at the examples given and then make a better examination first and foremost of our own selves and don't let my family keep me from the faith, contending for the faith. And then once I've got the big four by four out of my own eye, then I can make proper judgments concerning everybody else. Most folk today got... Two four before is hanging out their eyes, going around trying to whoop people with the own condemnation they're being whooped by because they don't know how to walk after the Spirit. I'm not being ugly. That's just where the church is today in these. Here it comes perilous times. Being just de deceitfully deceived by sin. Making excuses for sin because we've turned God's grace into something that it's not. God's grace saves. God's grace delivers. God's grace provides for the will of God. God's grace is God working in your life to bring about His will in your life. And all God's works are done in truth. Psalms 33 and 4, Romans 8 and 2. For the law of the Spirit of life, here it comes, in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So if you're contending for the faith, it's because you're recognizing those who crept in among us, they're really ungodly. They're really turning God's grace into something that it's not, a license to sin. Think about it. And in all that, they're denying the Lord. You know that all the programs and schemes, the purpose-driven life, the purpose-driven church, the government of 12, the promise keepers, the, uh, the covering principle, all the things that men have brought into the church crept in among us using scriptures to try to justify that what they say God gave them to help us distracts from the work of Christ at Calvary. And that's, see, grace only flows through our faith in Calvary, Galatians 2.21. All the other things are a part of that spirit that is so powerful in these perilous times in which we live that will pull you right out of the faith through the lust of your own flesh and make you start giving excuses as to why you're not denying, turning away from those that only have a form but deny the power. Praise God. More and more and more of God's people are seeing the truth today. It will never be the big numbers. It will never be the Colosseum's field with people who are in the faith. It will be here and there spots of light, these little churches popping up in these storefronts, praise God, looked down upon by so many from their lofty positions of pride and religion and ungodliness. But that's where God is functioning in His body, where the message of the cross which is, by the way, the only message that can save a lost person or deliver a saved person to redirect to the path of righteousness and to deliver from anything and everything at any time. It is the only message. Yes, we teach on healing, the baptism with the Holy Spirit, marriage, training children up, but all that is tied to Jesus through His work at Calvary or it's going to be nothing but works of our own hands that God won't honor.
Praise God. Share these teachings with others. Please don't just comment on there. And please don't try to preach online while I'm teaching. Please don't do that. Share these teachings with others. Share the YouTube channel with others so they can go and get it all. And we'll be here next Friday morning at 9 a.m. Central Time to move right into Session 7. God bless you. We love you. And until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. God bless you.